0: Welcome to Wolfpack Career Chats from NC State University's Career Development Center, the only podcast dedicated to providing NC State students with current, relevant, and thought provoking ideas that will challenge you to think about your future. Whether you want to know more about what hiring managers are really thinking, or you just need to hear an honest and encouraging story about overcoming obstacles to reach your goals, we've got you covered. Wolfpack Career Chats is just one of the many services we provide. Whether it's career fairs, on campus interviews, co op opportunities, or more, we are here for the pack. It's Marcy Bullock with Wolfpack Career Chats. Autumn is here today and she is a registered dietitian who has some wonderful tips for how we can be strong and healthy. And we're thinking about being career ready graduates of NC State. We want to feel amazing as graduates and how better to feel amazing than put things into your body that strengthen you. But there are lots of challenges with nutrition and so today we have Autumn who is going to tell us a little bit about her background. We're so excited to have you today. Thank you, I'm excited to be here, thanks
1: for having
0: me. Yeah, we're, we're really happy to hear your elevator pitch to start off with because the students have all practiced theirs and this way we'll get a little background on
1: your nutritional expertise. Okay, so hi, thanks for having me again. My name is Autumn Asai. I am a registered dietitian nutritionist and I own a private practice here in Cary, North Carolina called Perennial Nutrition. I specialize in a lot of different things, um, which is one of the things I love about being in private practice. I can do anything I want to really. Um, but primarily I work one-on-one with clients um, specializing in mostly um, GI issues and food sensitivities and in disordered eating. Um, I do a lot of corporate wellness as well. So I work with companies and uh, doing employee wellness and nutrition counseling, presentations, lunch and learns, um, cooking demos. And I also work with a lot of other small businesses in the area. So doing consulting for them as a dietitian, nutritionist, um, doing co-marketing and branding um, and just really helping to support other small businesses in our area, which I think is super important.
0: That's a wonderful background. And as I was looking at your website, which we'll share with all the students, you have some amazing recipes on there. I got hungry just looking at some of the delicious and nutritious things that you are putting out there for people to see. One of the things that interested me was that you wrote that you are interested in being a non-diet Counselor. We hear so much about diets. Tell me about your phraseology on that and what it means. So, my goal when I work
1: with people is really to help them feel their best, to promote health. And I think that can be done without focusing on body size or body weight or body shape, um, without using fad diets or, um, you know, really restrictive ideals when it comes to nutrition. My goal is always to help people engage in health-promoting behaviors and to find a healthy, sustainable relationship to their food. And in my experience and in my opinion, that really doesn't happen when someone is constantly pursuing diets. Um, you know, in the nutrition field, when we use the word diet, we're really talking about what a person eats. So when you hear a dietitian say, talking about someone's diet Um, when I say that I'm really talking about just what is the food they're putting in their body but when the general population hears the word diet I think I mean tell me if I'm wrong but I think most of people you know out there when you hear the word diet you think of keto or paleo or whole 30 or you think of like some restrictive fad diet basically that's popular right now Um, and just again in my experience people can try these things and it, they might work for a little while, but typically they're not sustainable um, and they, they don't promote long-term health. And that's always my goal. So I really like to think that I'm a non-diet dietitian because I don't do those things. I really help people learn the basics, plant the seeds for good health for the rest of their life.
0: And I'm sure you are very busy because that is a challenge. And I don't know about anyone else in the room, but I think about food all the time. Like I am just thinking about my next meal and what it's going to be. And I love yummy food, delicious food. And I also (laughs) want to feel good. And when I put crap in my body, I feel crappy. So how can we reconcile that?
1: Yeah, good question. So I think, too, when people think about, you know, healthy food, they often think like bland chicken and broccoli. And like that's what I have to eat for the rest of my life to be healthy. And that's miserable. Like who wants to eat that? Not me. I definitely am not going to eat that way for the rest of my life. Um, So I think there's a big misconception around the fact that, you know, healthy food is boring and good food is bad for you. Right. Food that tastes good is bad for us. Um, That is not true at all. I think that we have. We're lucky here in the Triangle because we have a ton of great local businesses and restaurants and places like that that are actually doing a fantastic job of starting to provide healthier options in a really appealing, delicious way. Um, So that's really exciting. You guys actually have a lot of that here even on campus with your own dining services. You have dietitians here on campus that work um, to provide you food that is both healthy and delicious and Makes you want to eat it. Uh, my goal is always to ha- have people eat food that they love. And I do think you can eat food you love and still be healthy. Um, because I do that every single day. Why eat something you don't enjoy? I don't get that.
0: <laughs> I don't get that either. It's just miserable. Yeah. So, so let's talk sugar. Is sugar the devil?
1: <laughs> Good question. Um, what do you guys think? Is sugar the devil? Depends what type of sugar. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think um, I think it's really easy to blame anything, one specific thing, for all of the diet pitfalls we see in our society. Um, you know, thirty years ago it was fat, and now it's sugar. And like, it, yes, the research is constantly evolving and changing. And yes, I think sugar is an issue in our society. But I don't think that all sugar is evil. I think you're exactly right. Um, and I. I think that if you get so hung up on one particular nutrient or one particular thing um, being the worst thing for you, you get into that really negative mentality around food. You get to that um, you know dangerous place with disordered eating, potentially, depending on the person. So I always like to come at food from a positive lens of not what can't I eat, or what shouldn't I eat, or what do I need to cut out of my diet, but what can I bring more of into my diet, right? What am I missing out on that I should be getting more of in my diet? Um, Sugar, yes, in excess is going to be a problem for most people, Um, but at the same time, sugar, at the end of the day, is our main source of energy, right? So Glucose is the main source of sugar that comes from carbohydrate based foods. And that is our body's preferred source of energy. Um, I often like to tell people that your brain is actually the biggest consumer of all the glucose you eat each day. So it uses over 60% of the glucose that you eat every single day, just to fuel your brain. So you've got to eat some sugar (laughs) to be able to function as a human at your most optimal level. Okay. Now where that sugar is coming from does matter so is it coming from fruits and vegetables and whole grains and all these really wonderful things that we need more of in our diets or is it coming from consistently processed packaged highly refined items Um, and if that's your answer then okay we have a little bit of work to do Um, do i think you can never eat something that's processed or packaged or refined no of course not you can absolutely eat those things but it's about the overall trend of your diet. So what are you eating more often than not, right? More often than not, if your sugar's coming from a whole source, that's probably better for you.
0: Full disclosure, I had an orange versus M&Ms today, and I looked at them both, and I was like, I want the M&Ms. That's what I wanted. And it wasn't a great orange either. That was the problem. Because the other day I was at Whole Foods and I tasted the sample oranges. I was like, oh, my God, these are amazing. And then like three days later, it wasn't as good. So and I, I have, you know, we're right around the corner from Cookout. Who loves Cookout milkshakes? Anybody? What are some of your favorite flavors? Reese's? cheesecake and it's is it okay to treat yourself to that when you said you know think about it overall what would your advice be on if that makes you happy and you look forward to doing that and you're a college student and it's fun
1: yeah good question so yes I think it's okay to treat yourself um you know in the words of Tom Haverford go for it uh, no question um but yeah it re- it's really about the overall trends of your diet so if that's a thing that you do every now and then and you enjoy a cookout milkshake, like you're going to be fine. If you're a generally healthy person, your body can handle that. It's going to bounce back and it's going to be absolutely fine. If you're someone who's dealing with a chronic disease like diabetes or something like that, then you got to think a little bit more about it. Um, But in general, I think that when we make things completely off limits, that's the first thing we want, right? We are human. Um, Children are that way. Adults are that way. It's just the way we are wired. As soon as you say, I can't have that, that is the immediate thing your brain starts thinking about and it won't stop until you get it, right? So if you stop putting certain foods on a pedestal and making other things off limits and you just allow yourself to have access to everything but listen to your body as to what it wants in that moment, um, you'll probably find that it's not as big of a deal when you do indulge um, because you won't feel so guilty about it for one thing. You may also find that um, you can... Eat as much as you want and then stop when you're satisfied. Um, if you start to really tune into your body, you'll note that, hey, I don't maybe need that entire milkshake, because if I have the whole thing, I feel kind of sick afterwards. But if I have half of it and then put the rest in the freezer for later, I feel much better. Um, and I my body can handle that better. Um, and I think too, again, if you are getting the majority of what you need in your diet, as far as fiber and you know, vitamins and minerals and protein, um, if you're getting that stuff day in, day out, more or less on a general, regular, consistent basis. You know, ice cream here or there is not going to throw your body into a tailspin. It's going to be totally fine.
0: I love your philosophy on that because we have to enjoy life and food and fellowship is a big part of it. So as you think about that balance that you talked about. For me, it's hard to think in terms of counting, like how many carbs did I have versus protein versus fat? What kind of advice do you have for people when they're putting a plate together or thinking about a day in their life?
1: Good question. Um, yeah, so I think you know everybody has a different theory as far as how to figure out what their body needs. Some people do like counting and things like that. Um, I am not one of those people, either. I find it extremely tedious, (laughs) personally, and I don't have time for that. Um, So what I really encourage people to do is actually follow, more or less, um, the plate model. So are you guys familiar with the MyPlate model from the USDA? You guys seen that? So it's kind of the newer food pyramid. The Harvard School of Public Health actually has a version online that I love much more than the USDA one. No offense, USDA. Uh, I think it is just a little bit more detailed and includes some things that the USDA one kind of misses, like water. Hydration is super important. (laughs) Um, But the general idea with that is every time you make a plate, you should have about a quarter of your plate being a grain or a starch, so ideally a whole grain or some kind of starchy vegetable or something like that. Um, a quarter of your plate should be a protein source, and that could be um, you know, meat or chicken or fish or beans or legumes. Um, I always like to encourage people to pursue plant-based proteins. If you don't currently eat them, yeah, <laughs> we got some plant-based fans in the house. Um, I eat everything, but I do think that generally the American diet is really missing out on a lot of plant foods. Um, so I'm always just encouraging people to eat more of them, get more variety in um, and get out of what I have lovingly termed the chicken rut, which is where you just eat like chicken all day, every day. Um, nothing wrong with chicken, but you know, there's, there's variety out there and variety's the spice of life, right? So en- enjoy a little more variety in your proteins. Um, and then the other half of your plate should really be non surgy vegetables and fruit. Um, usually what I tell people is if you're getting fruit, Maybe two or three times throughout the day. Otherwise, so maybe with breakfast or in a smoothie or with a snack or something like that. Um, two to three servings of fruit is usually day. Uh, excuse me, servings of fruit a day is typically good. And then the rest should be non-starchy vegetables. Um, so maybe focus on half a plate of vegetables at your meal. Um, get some healthy fats in there all day long. So nuts, seeds, olive oil, avocados, fish, um, all that kind of stuff, sprinkle it in throughout your day, and drink a ton of water. And those are my main basics.
0: I like that, and I um I wonder what you mean by a ton because I'm bad at drinking water, and then I'm up like five times a night. But that's just because I'm at a different
1: stage in life <laughs> than some people here. But how much do we really have to drink? Yeah, good question. So it really does vary individual to individual. Um, if you work with a dietitian, they can estimate that for you specifically to your tailored needs. Um, but in general, you know, I think the eight. Eight ounce glasses a day is a good starting point for most people. Um, I will say a lot of people I work with aren't even hitting that, and that is pretty good baseline minimum for most people. Eight eight ounces. Eight eight. Okay. Ounces. So sixty four sure ounces. sixty four ounces.
0: Yeah. Okay. So if you compare that to like a liter, is that around the same size? Um, a little bit. I don't know. I have to do how the math on that.
1: Or, or milliliters. Or but
0: best to drink throughout okay. the day. Yeah. Is important. Yeah. And we had an earlier podcast with Brittany Guerin that people can refer to about movement and activity. And wondering about your thoughts, because that's how we met, was at a studio working out together at Pure Bar. Um, What your thought is about how you time your workouts with your nutrition when you're eating in terms of how close to a workout we have some student athletes and others who enjoy being active in our class and just what your your typical workout and food regime would be in terms of timing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so I think um, it really depends on how soon like before workout you are eating, if you're eating maybe an hour or so before a workout, just having a pretty solid meal or snack that has a little bit of everything. So some protein, some carbs, some fat is a good idea. Um, That's probably enough time for your body to really digest it and it won't kind of sit with you and, and mess you up during your exercise or your activity. Um, if it's pretty soon before a workout, so maybe 15 to 30 minutes before a workout, um, you don't wanna eat a ton because again, it's just gonna weigh you down and kind of make you feel sick probably while you're working out. Um, If you're doing, particularly if you're doing more of an endurance exercise or something... you know, cycling or running or something like that, especially um, getting some good carbon before that workout is a good idea. So for me, if it's like 15 minutes before I'm gonna go for a run or something and I just need a little something in my stomach, um, I love having a banana is like my pre, my favorite pre-workout because um, my body can digest it pretty quickly. So that sugar really metabolizes pretty quickly, gives my body a little spike of energy. My cells are gonna take up that sugar and use it right away to work, to do that exercise or that activity. Um, Um, but i'm not going to bonk halfway through my run right like it's just going to push me kind of through right till i need it um if i have a little bit longer i might do that banana you know over a waffle with a little peanut butter or something or just with some nuts or nut butter something really simple um post-workout is when your protein becomes more important so pre-workout really focus more on your carbs post-workout is when you really want to focus on your protein um Do have a little bit of carb with that protein as well, because it'll actually help your cells take up those amino acids from your protein and use it to rebuild that strong muscle tissue that you just broke down. Um, So think about doing, you know, whether it's just if it's time for a meal after a workout, just eat a meal. Um, If it's not time for a meal, but you need a little snack, um, you know, people do protein shakes, even like a half of a PB&J, something like that um, is perfect. Or yogurt, you know, with some fruit, something like that would be really easy, too fantastic
0: so let's talk coffee how many coffee lovers in the house ooh lots of hands so how much and does it dehydrate you what's the deal
1: so I too love coffee um, and there are a lot of benefits to drinking coffee you know there's a lot of research out there to show that it has some nutrition benefit again like with Everything in nutrition, coffee is very individualized, so some people can tolerate it just fine, and other people cannot tolerate it at all. Um, you know, I I can drink coffee every single day. My sister cannot touch caffeine because it just makes her heart go crazy, and she feels awful when she has it. So you have to know your own tolerance when it comes to caffeine. Um Most people, I would say, can tolerate up to maybe 400 milligrams or so of coffee a day as kind of a good, safe, healthy average um, that's recommended, which is usually maybe like two cups, depending on how large your coffee is, how strong your coffee is. Um, That's probably a pretty good average, one to two cups a day. you know, the old school thought was that it did, in fact, dehydrate you because coffee is a di- diuretic. Um, a lot of our new research is showing that really doesn't seem to be the case. That being said, I still recommend that people always drink water with their coffee or like before or after your coffee um, because you are losing fluid. And it's just kind of a good habit to get into, especially if you're not a huge water drinker. Um, just kind of getting in the habit of like double fisting and, and doing one and one is a nice way to just get more water into your day. Um, So, yeah, and then also think about um, other sources of caffeine. So I do often work with people if their sleep isn't great, um, you know, and they're drinking a lot of caffeine throughout the day. That's one of the things we might adjust. So in the afternoon, instead of going for a second coffee, maybe just doing tea or something like that. That's a little bit lower in caffeine um, that will give you that little tiny pick me up, but not keep you up the entire night.
0: Excellent tips. And what about intermittent fasting? There seems to be a lot of discussion right now. I don't know if that's a fad thing in terms of will that energize you more and make you feel stronger?
1: Yeah, that is super popular right now. Um, there I will say is some very fascinating research coming out about intermittent fasting. I do not think we necessarily have the research to promote it in the general population at this point. Um, but the, yeah, there is some really interesting um, animal models, and now some human trials coming out with intermittent fasting. As far as can it extend like our telomeres, which are related to you know the length of your life and how long you'll live? Um, can it affect our you know blood blood sugar management for people who have um, blood glucose issues? Can it? give you better energy Um, there are also a lot of different styles of intermittent fasting so some people do you know five days of eating and two days of like basically eating nothing some people do um three days on and four days off or two and two you know um and then there's like the time restricted feeding window which is probably the most popular and the most doable um where you eat in like an eight hour window every day um Because didn't it
0: used to be like, eat breakfast. Breakfast is the most important meal. And now people are like, wake up and don't eat for four hours.
1: Right. So I could never do that. Um, I'm one of those freaks who like jumps out of bed and is like, yes, I want my breakfast. I want my coffee. Like I wake up hungry. I am ready. I know not everyone is like that. And if you're not a breakfast person, that's okay. I don't think you have to eat breakfast to be healthy. Um, And I also always like to point out that you know, we don't really have a good research definition of the word breakfast. But in general, it's kind of accepted that um, breakfast is really just the first thing you eat. So breakfast could be three hours after waking. And that's fine. If that's what works for you, that's OK. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there's a lot of interesting stuff about intermittent fasting. Again, my, what I always come back to when people are considering starting anything like that. So any kind of diet plan like that is how sustainable is it for you? So like if someone's coming to me and they are wanting to do an eight hour time-restricted feeding window, but they're like me and they're a total breakfast person, but they're also like me and they don't get home until you know 8.30 a lot of nights because they're teaching beer bar or whatever like I am. Um, that's like a long time and you have to work that out with your schedule, right? Like, is that gonna be feasible for you to either not eat breakfast even though you love it or and you're hungry <laughs> in the morning or you know not eat dinner When because you can't get home till eight or nine at night, but then you're hungry before bed and that can disrupt your sleep. And, you know, like you have to gauge, is this actually feasible for me? Um, And I will say for a lot of people, no, that's probably not just because of our lives. And, you know, you maybe you want to go out with friends and you want to have something to eat and it's nine at night, but you were supposed to stop eating at seven. Like, are you going to let that rule your life or not? I don't know. You have, to, you have to weigh that for yourself.
0: Very good. I like that answer. It seems a little obsessive because you have to enjoy your life. So Shay has our first question from the audience about eating on a student budget.
2: Yes. Um, so when I am going to buy groceries on a budget, I would like to buy all the healthy foods that I possibly can, but it's just not possible for me to buy everything, you know, fresh produce and organic and all that stuff. So I'll buy as much of that as I can, and then I usually buy the typical college groceries like white bread, like a large loaf of that, and maybe ramen and some cereals for a quick breakfast and stuff like that. And so what I find is that I really like the healthier foods, the fruits more, and I'll eat those first, salads and fruits like that. Throughout the week, and then towards the end of the week, all I'm left with it are these carbs. But I'm trying to make my week long budget last, so I end up kind of carb loading at the end of the week and getting these really like, um, I guess I would call them sugar spikes, where I feel like my blood sugar is really low, and maybe I could just eat a piece of candy, but that really doesn't work for me because I think it's a different kind of of a relationship with the bread carbs versus like actually eating a bunch of chocolate.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah i think you know eating on a budget is tricky for anybody um there are definitely things you can do so let's tackle that first so grocery shopping eating cooking on a budget um obviously is going to look different for everyone but in general i think it's very possible to do um, and people don't realize how cheap some healthy foods are (laughs) so again Things like beans and lentils and different legumes like that are extremely cheap, Um, especially if you do them from dried. They're like, you know, 89 cents a pack or something. Um, I will admit one of the few things I buy canned is beans because... There's no way I'm going to think, like, two days ahead to soak my beans for eight hours and then cook them for eight hours. Like, it's just never going to happen. So I buy canned beans and I buy a wide variety and I keep them on hand and I put them in soups and chili and um, tacos and salads and, like... Literally anything under the sun you can throw them into. Um, eggs are another really cheap protein that are fantastic and quick and easy to cook.
0: And is it okay to eat the egg whites and the egg yolks? Because it used to be like, I have to only eat the whites to be healthy.
1: Yeah, it is. It is okay to eat both. Um, there was actually just another study that came out like this week about eating whole eggs and how now it's bad for you again. Um, <laughs> it's like every, every week there's something new with eggs. But yes, in general, there there is a subset of the population that does seem to be um kind of what we call hyper responders when it comes to their cholesterol intake but yeah in general most people can probably eat like one to three whole eggs a day and be fine if you want to eat more than that then I would probably supplement the rest with just the egg white Um, but the yolks are a really good source of nutrition so that is something you want to get Um, also whole grains are very cheap especially if you buy them in bulk so things like quinoa and brown rice and wild rice um farro Bulgur, millet. Those are all really nice options. Um, Frozen is your best friend when you're on a budget. So frozen veggies, frozen fruits. um, You can actually buy like frozen grains and frozen beans and stuff now, too, even at like all the grocery stores, pretty much. And
0: would you say the nutritional value isn't different than fresh?
1: Not different at all. Just make sure you're buying ones that aren't like pre-sauced and flavored and things like that because A, that usually jacks the price up, and B, um, it does add salt and fat and other things that you're not going to need on them. Um, But yeah, frozen veggies are picked when they're most ripe. They're flash frozen immediately, so they really hold on to all their nutrition, and sometimes they could actually be more nutritious than fresh, depending on how long it's been since that fresh fruit or vegetable was harvested and then flown across the country and then sat in a warehouse and then it was distributed to the grocery store and then it sat in their warehouse and then it was brought out on the shelf and then you picked it and brought it home and it sat on your counter for three days. You know, it could be two or three weeks between harvest and eating, which can lose a lot of nutrition in that time. Um, So those would be kind of the main things I would say is like focus on the basics. Um, Try to stay away from a lot of the highly processed things because they actually usually jack the price up on those and they cost more than you might think um so would you say stay
0: away from the um the white
1: bread and
0: the ramen is that a good idea
1: i mean if you really like them that's okay to eat that stuff as long as you're again getting the other things with it if you can find an alternative that's more of a whole grain option that's around the same price yeah i'd probably be a little healthier um yeah i mean otherwise buy what's on sale you know fruits and veggies like focus on what's on sale or go to our we have awesome farmers markets in the areas go to those and you know sometimes you can even make a relationship with a farmer and explain like I'm on a budget like what kind of deal can you give me here Um, and sometimes if they have excess of something they'll do that
0: that's a good idea because you never know if you say you're a starving college student they might just like give you a bargain if you
1: ask Well, and especially, like, if you go toward the end of the day when they're about to close, if they still have a lot of something that they need to get rid of, they'll oftentimes kind of just offload it to you and give you extra for whatever the price is or something like that. Um, And then as far as your sugar crashes, (laughs) I would say it sounds to me like you're not balancing your meals well enough. So, like I talked about with the plate model, you're eating, like you said, a lot of your fiber and your proteins and a lot of that stuff earlier in the week. And then you're just basically carb loading at the end of the week. Uh, got to kind of try to spread it out a little bit more so even if you're having you know ramen can you add in like throw in some broccoli and some spinach and some veggies and other things to it to get some fiber in there to get some greens in there again maybe make a soup out of it so you add some broth you add some frozen vegetables and you add a can of pinto beans Um, and you make it into a soup and then you've got fiber and then you've got protein and it's going to be a lot more balanced a lot more filling and it's actually going to keep you from riding that blood sugar roller coaster day in and day out Um, and just keep your energy levels more sustained
0: that was a great question, Shay. And I'm sure a lot of other people were feeling that way. What else do you want to know? Okay, Ashley.
2: Um, what are some things that people can do to, like, help themselves stick to it? Because, like,
1: usually, like, you'll start it for, like, a week or two and then, like, you drop off. Or, like, if you have super busy schedules and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I think being realistic with yourself when you're starting out is number one. So do a true assessment of, your life and what is actually feasible for you in this moment. Um, You know, it's we tend to be really idealistic, I think, when it comes to diets and nutrition and things like that. Um, And a lot of times people come to me and they're like, can you just like tell me what to eat and then send me on my way? And I'm like, no, because you're not going to learn anything that way. Um, And you have to be able to do these things in the real world no matter what comes at you, right? Life is constantly gonna change and something's always gonna come up. So you need to be adaptable and you need to have the basics down so that you can adapt whatever situation you're in, right? Um, So being realistic is number one. Um, Being patient would probably be number two. So instead of trying to change everything at one time, Choose one thing and do that one thing for like three weeks or however long it takes for you, for, for you to feel like it's now becoming a habit and you don't have to think so hard or try so hard. And then once that kind of becomes ingrained in your every day, cool, pick the next thing and work on that. Um, to make true sustainable change with your diet and your lifestyle and nutrition takes time. Uh, anything that promises you immediately results it's probably lying to you or you'll get immediate results and they will never last. <laughs> it's not sustainable.
0: And I imagine you work a lot with people, not just about the physical, but the psychological in terms of why they're eating. And so there's a lot of complicated things, which keeps you in business and very mm-hmm. busy. <laughs> so I saw one more question here. Are diet sodas as bad for you, as people say they are? Diet
1: sodas. Diet soda. Good question. So... um there are a lot of artificial sweeteners out on the market that, you know, the research we have does show that they're safe if if consumed in appropriate consumption. Um, I think it's like aspartame, you would have to have like nine and a half packets a day or something to actually see like those negative results that we've seen in the research, which... Someone's having like, you know, nine diet sodas a day. We've got some other (laughs) issues we need to work on as well anyway. um, But in general, I try to encourage people to minimize artificial sweeteners as much as they can. Um, I think that we don't necessarily have a lot of long term research on them, like long, long term to really know those long term side effects. Um, They also can cause a lot of issues with like GI complications so for a lot of people they can cause bloating and they can cause um like other GI complications diarrhea constipation things like that um sugar alcohols it can be the same way so a lot of times people don't associate those things um and you know in my eyes I think we probably shouldn't be drinking a ton of soda, whether it's regular or diet anyway, right? I'd prefer just to see people drink water. So that's always my number one thing is like, can you replace it with water? And if so, you're better off to do that. Um, But I think artificial sweeteners or diet sodas, things like that are a very personal choice. For some people, you know, it really works for them. They really enjoy it. And if you're doing, you know, one every now and then or, you know, even one a day, it should be safe according to the current research we have. Yeah.
0: Good question. Yes, Carly. Carly.
1: As someone who has suffered from disordered eating, um, I feel like fat diets are some of the most mentally and physically taxing things out there, um, just from experience, so I was just going to ask, like, what are some of the popular fad diets, like you said, like, the, like, keto or whatever that have... They're probably like the worst ones that are popular right now. I do think keto is a really intense one that people are doing right now um, that could potentially be very dangerous for certain people. Um, And a lot of people don't really know how to do keto safely and appropriately if they are going to do it or they don't seek out that advice. Um, So that one could be, yeah, potentially very dangerous because um, you're – Possibly cutting out a lot of fiber in your diet with keto, which is one of the main issues I have with it and and how that's going to affect your gut microbiome and your gut health. Um, That's a big issue there. Um, Also introducing a lot of times a lot of saturated fats, which yes, saturated fat is kind of up for debate right now in the nutrition research world. However, I am not convinced that eating bacon every day is good for you, no matter what anybody says. I think we have enough research to know that eating a processed meat like that every single day is probably not that great for our health. So when someone goes on keto and they're like, oh, I'm eating steak and bacon every day and I'm loving my life, and I'm like, that just can't be good for your heart health in the long-term, like I'm just not convinced of that. Um, So yeah, I think that could have some long-term implications if someone's doing it long-term. I also think you know the keto diet is probably not intended to do long-term, and a lot of people or try to do it long term, so I think there's an issue there too. Um, things like intermittent fasting could potentially be dangerous for someone like who has diabetes and is dealing with blood sugar issues. And you know, if they go a long time without eating, that can cause a severe hypoglycemic uh, episode, and that could be super dangerous. So, yeah, I think you know, depending on each person's situation, ev- anybody could find a fad diet that is probably dangerous for them. Um, But then also, yeah, mentally, like what does that do to your mental health and to your relationship to food? And that's probably, I think, the most dangerous of any fad diet is how does that affect your relationship to the food you eat and, you know, your um, ability to make decisions based on what your body needs and not what some external source is telling you your body needs.
0: So this has been a wonderful educational 30 minutes for us. Can you let everyone know how they can follow up with you? I know you have a great
1: website. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. So if you guys have questions um, or just want to reach out, uh, my website is just perennialnutrition.com.
0: And remind us what perennial means.
1: (laughs) So perennial is um, a plant that comes back every year so it's something that reblooms, that regrows every single year versus like an annual which you have to replant every single year um, and I, I liked that name for my business because that's really my goal with nutrition right is to give people the groundwork and the framework to live a healthy life forever and to to have a good relationship with nutrition for the rest of their lives and not need to do something new every single year um, to figure that out so that's why I named my business perennial nutrition um, but yeah my website's there my email is just autumn at perennial nutrition my Instagram at perennial nutrition and I have a Facebook page for it as well um, so you can reach me at any of those
0: you're so encouraging and inspiring let's thank Autumn thanks guys this was fun the NC State Career Development Center prepares and empowers students to identify and pursue their career goals stop by Pullen Hall to learn more thank you for listening to Wolfpack Career Chats and we hope to see you around campus have a PACTACULAR DAY!